This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray, as we pray each week, that you would speak to us through it by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. When my two older children, Jack and Juliet, were toddlers, they shared a room. I'll never forget one bedtime conversation between them. Jack must have been about four and a half, and Juliet was probably two and a half. And the exchange went something like this. Good night, Jack. Good night, Juliet. I hope you sleep well. I hope you don't have any bad dreams. You don't need to be afraid, Juliet. Monsters aren't real. There aren't any dinosaurs under your bed. And don't worry about any ghosts. Good night. <laughs> Comforting words for any two-year-old. I'm sure you'll agree. Now, of course, to a point, Jack was right. And yet, he was also wrong. Yes, Juliet ultimately did not need to fear, but not because there was nothing real to be afraid of. The truth is there were and are plenty of monsters to be afraid of. I, I don't mean the dinosaur under the bed variety. I mean other kinds of monsters. The monsters of guilt or shame, of loneliness or pride, the monsters of failure or success. These monsters, in whatever guise or shape or form, are real. These are the monsters that come to us and so often try to separate us from the love of God. Tragically, there are many people today who live in a constant state of fear. Fear of being rejected or ridiculed. Fear of being used or abused or simply taken for granted. Fear of the unknown or perhaps fear of the known. Fear of what other people think or say about them. Fear and anxiety can be so utterly paralyzing. And those who are paralyzed by fear often have no hope and no vision. In the most extreme cases, people barricade themselves into their homes. Others may simply go through life accepting second best, afraid of hoping for more, afraid of trying and failing, afraid of loving and being rejected. How are we to respond as Christians? How can we combat the fears that assail us? Is there some way that we can effectively fight against fear? In our Old Testament reading today, we heard this. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. And in our gospel reading, we encountered Jesus saying to his disciples, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is to your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. No command is more often repeated in the whole Bible than the command not to fear. The most effective weapon against fear is faith. And it is faith that I want to focus on this morning. What is faith? 
How can we have faith? And what practical difference does faith make in our day-to-day lives? At its most basic level, faith is believing that certain things are true. Week by week, we declare our Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in God. Faith at least affirms our belief in the existence of God. The mistake some people make, however, is to assume that that's all there is to Christian faith, a mere belief in God. But those first words of the creed, I believe in God, mean something so much deeper than that. When the creed first came to be written, it was written in Latin, of course, and its opening words, credo in deum, have traditionally been translated, I believe in God. Those words could also be rendered, I have confidence in God, or I trust in God. So when we say we believe in God, we're not merely saying that we think God exists, but rather something much more significant. Faith is about trust. Faith is saying yes to God. Faith is a decision and an act of the will to trust God. And I suspect that very often we go through life without practicing a lot of faith. After all, from a very early age in our culture, we are taught and trained to make decisions only after carefully weighing various options. We're used to having lots of information at our fingertips, all the scenarios mapped out, all the pros and cons labeled and quantified and considered, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's a lot right about that. But there will be times in our lives as individuals or as a church when all the thinking and the planning and the careful analysis won't be enough to show us the way ahead. Something more is needed. We need to hear God, his voice, his leading, his directing. I think over the years, we've seen this here at this church, here at Ascension. For example, in the very difficult decision to leave the Episcopal Church. Would we lose our buildings? We didn't know. But we took a step forward in faith. And thanks be to God, we did not lose our buildings. More recently, with our More Than Stones Capital campaign, would we be able to raise what started as $8.2 million? A breathtaking number for us. We didn't know. But we took a step of faith. And that was a huge challenge for many of us, including Andrea and me. What did it mean for us to step out in faith? Four years ago, we signed the very first pledge card. And I'm telling you, that was a big step of faith for us. Again, thanks be to God. Together as a church, given and pledged, the amount met and exceeded that awesome call. And now, will it be sufficient? I don't know. The construction documents are out to bid, and we should get them back in two weeks' time. Then we'll have the first real concrete hard bidded numbers. Please do pray for this critical stage. We didn't know then that there'd be a global pandemic and supply chain shortages and inflation, and we didn't know that. 
But God willing, we'll be able to break ground and start the new hall in, I don't know, four weeks' time, six weeks' time, soon, September. That's our hope and prayer. Now, I need to add this. You see, praying is not like Google Maps. Rarely does God give us the whole route from start to finish, let alone tell us how far the journey will be, how long it will take, or where the setbacks will be. Often, God only shows us the next step. And I don't terribly like that. I mean, I'd prefer a lot more certainty in my life and our life together. But that's not the way things are. Sometimes people may say, well, we can't decide something until we know all the facts. We shouldn't do anything until we really know exactly what lies ahead. Really? Is that true? Is that right? I mean, I suppose if if you want to live in a sat-nav world of near certainty rather than a biblical world of faith, then I suppose the logic holds. But it's not a logic we find in the Scriptures. If we only made decisions in life based on certainty, then most of us most of the time would be so debilitated that we wouldn't do anything. And I have to say, actually, I'm really glad I didn't know what was coming when we set out on this crazy, awesome building project. Because if I'd known there was going to be a world shutdown and everything that's going on, and I won't list it all, I don't think we'd have done it. But none of these things have been a surprise to God. But there are many areas where we take the next step. You know, to love, to trust, to try new things, to reach out to a neighbor or friend. None of these things are about certainty. They are all about taking risks, hoping, trusting, and being faithful to God. The biblical heroes of the faith didn't have certainty as they sought to be faithful and trusting. Look at how it was for Abraham. And we heard it in, in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out knowing exactly where he was going. No, he set out not knowing where he was going. Now that's faith. Or some might say, foolishness. If we back up to the beginning of that passage, we can see why that way of behaving was not foolish. In the book of Hebrews, we discover that faith is linked to something else. It's linked to hope. Not a wishful thinking, noble optimism kind of hope. Rather a hope that is underpinned by that faith. They're interconnected. And that faith is based on convictions about the way the world is, about who God is, and about who we are in the world in relation to God. This is kind of the ultimate worldview that literally frames how we live and how we think and how we be. Faith concerns having an assurance within us, being sure of what we hope for. Faith is about having a certainty that there are realities that we cannot see and maybe cannot know. And I am convinced and persuaded that that is not an unreasonable way of thinking. Indeed, increasingly today, many people have a general sense that there are indeed unseen realities around us, maybe even unseen forces of good and evil in the world. But our Christian faith takes us a step further than those notions. 
Our faith is not about some vague spiritual or religious outlook on life, nor is it some Alice in Wonderland fantasy of believing impossible things for the sake of it. And it's also not about whipping up unrealistic optimism. No, the faith that counters our fears, the faith that the Bible describes, the faith that equips us to take risks in building up God's kingdom, the faith that has sustained countless believers from the beginning of time is a faith that hears and responds to God's word. In our Hebrews passage, the author sets out the basis for this kind of faith that supports our Christian hope. First, an appeal is made to creation. Our faith is founded on the God who created the world, the author of life itself, and the same God who raised Jesus from the dead, assuring us of new life. And then the writer of Hebrews goes on to list some of the great heroes and heroines of the faith. And our passage recites the first great promises made to Abraham and Sarah. And first, they were promised a child. Ridiculous, really. Impossible, you might think, given their advanced age. And yet, after that promise was first delivered, and after waiting 20 to 25 years, in response to Sarah's literal LOL moment, God said, is anything impossible for God? And mum, if you're watching, LOL isn't lots of love, it's laugh out loud, but that's okay. The very next year, Sarah gives birth to a son. Well, second, Abraham's promised a homeland. Another unlikely promise. To put it mildly, he was a wandering stranger with no fixed abode. And that promise was not filled in 20 or 25 years. It wasn't fulfilled in his lifetime. He died with nothing more than a cave to be buried in. And yet, here we are today. Part of the fulfillment of that promise to him that he would be the father of nations. Abraham obeyed God when he was called. His trust was not mere mental assent to God's call. He acted on it, putting his security and family and home on the line. He went out from where he was, pretty safe and secure, on a journey, the end of which he could not see. In times of uncertainty, he looked back, remembering God's goodness and faithfulness. He also looked forward with faith to a more glorious future. Verse 10, to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And we too need to look back with thanksgiving as we recall God's faithfulness in the past, in our church, in our own lives, and we need to look forward to our future with God, with all the saints in eternity. Whatever next week or month or year may hold, we can have hope. Your faith, if it hasn't already, is very likely going to be put to the test. And if our faith is based on our comforts or buildings or everything staying the same, then be warned, things are going to change. Having faith, trusting God, following Jesus, these have never been guarantees for an easy life. 
Being a Christian does not protect us from the difficulties of being a human being. Being faithful does not mean we will not experience disappointments, problems, or suffering. What God, God does promise, however, is that He will be with us. And by His Holy Spirit, He comes alongside us, giving us His strength, helping us to have hope in the face of despair, to know love where there's emptiness and peace where there is turmoil. There are no easy answers when we face grief, tragedy, sickness, fear. But we have this assurance that no matter what happens, God loves us. And we know this because of two wonderful gifts. First, the gift of his Son, and second, the gift of his Spirit. Jesus lived for us and died for us. And if we have invited him into our lives, his Spirit lives within us. Faith, then, is about anchoring ourselves to God so that no matter what storms may come, the anchor of faith will hold us firm to God. For faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is belief and trust. Faith is about our commitment to God. Faith is about our decision to allow God to be present with us, guide us, support us, challenge us, and rule over us in every part of our lives. And I know there will be times when your faith and mine is battered, or when we have doubts, when we are afraid, when we can't even see that next step. And when that happens, we need one another. When my faith is shaken, when I struggle, you help me with your faith. I'm often reminded of the friends who brought a sick man to Jesus and lowered him through the roof for Jesus to heal. Many of you will know that account. Jesus commended the faith of the friends. The sick man didn't have much to offer, but the friends did. Thank you for those times when your faith, your support, your prayers have supported and sustained me when I've been lacking in the strength I needed. Christian faith, then, is about belief, trust, and commitment. These three aspects of our faith lead us to a fourth. Faith is expressed in action. Abraham's belief, trust, and commitment led him to act. And we learn a lot from Abraham and the other faithful heroes of the Old Testament. Listen again to what we heard from Hebrews verse 13. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. They desire a better country that is a heavenly one. There is more to life than the here and now. There is more to life than we can see and feel and touch. St. Paul urges us to live life by faith, not by sight. Sadly, there are many people today who think of themselves as Christians but never get further than accepting the truth about Christianity. They believe that God is there, but 
they don't communicate with him. They believe that God can forgive sins, but they've never allowed God to forgive their sins. They believe that God is reliable, but they've never actually relied upon him. We hear of people or know people, perhaps, of whom it is said they lost their faith. And we may sympathize as though it's one of those things that just happens. But some losses are avoidable. We can lose things through carelessness, complacency, or indifference. Today, unbelief in the living, powerful God is the very air in which we breathe. And so we need, therefore, to be vigilant, alert, and thoughtful so that we do not drift away from the Christian faith. Not one of us is immune from that. That's what the enemy, Satan the devil, wants. But our God is stronger. People drift away not because we, they come across any compelling reasons for not believing, but often because it's just easier to follow the crowd. Or because they get caught up in the material things of this world, or this world's spirituality of there not being any objective truth, and a culture of sad self-reliance. Jesus urges us to be ready and alert for his coming again. You must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. And that's not said to make us live in fear of his coming again, but rather so that we can be prepared for his coming. And the best way we can do that is by living a life of faith. One step at a time. One day at a time. This week, ask God to increase your faith. We all need the kind of faith that we've been thinking about this morning. Faith that believes in God. Faith that trusts in God. Faith that is committed to Jesus Christ. And faith that daily is put into action. And in all of this, the Holy Spirit helps us. The Spirit comforts and equips us for doing his will, for going where he leads, and for serving God in good times and bad, in times of joy and times of difficulty. May God grant us an increase in this faith for his sake and for his glory. Amen.